In this copy text edition of The Full Nerd, AMD, NVIDIA, and Intel News. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 179. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co-host Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. Elena Yee is here with a red background. It'll change. Oh, wow. (laughs) And Anna Patrick Murray's controlling the vertical and horizontal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Also, there was a big OBS update and and broke a couple things. Great. Uh, So, yeah, he he just saw it. He did notice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't (laughs) worry. I noticed it. Yes, uh, Computex, we're not not there. We're not in person. Actually, you know what? Gordon, you're you're standing in front of the Taipei 101. What's yeah, what's going yeah. on? We are here live at Copy Text. This is about twelve thirty four local time. One hundred percent humidity, eighty uh, degrees Fahrenheit uh, in the free worlds, and uh, in free freedom units and. Lots of news. Of course, I'm kidding. I'm I'm actually doing this virtually. This is just a virtual background from a previous copy text. But I, I wish. wish I was there this year because so much news. Big news, of course. AMD. You know, you always kind of wonder who's going to steal the thunder. But you know, clearly with AMD and Lisa Sue giving the keynote, they always come out <laughs> with both barrels, and they had everything this year. I can't think of anything they didn't announce. Um, yeah. Uh, well, things that we expected, Radeon RX uh, 6000 series for laptops, which uh, you can go to PC World, read my review. Power hungry, but very worthy part. It is, it puts them in competition with a lot of NVIDIA's highest end GPUs, uh, especially for costs. That's kind of big news because laptops, uh, desktop people, you don't know this, laptops are actually a thing. People pl- buy a lot of gaming laptops. This is big a big deal for AMD. This really, really puts them back into business with AMD plus AMD. Uh, a lot of cool stuff there. We don't have to get into the full details, but you get a Ryzen with a Radeon. You do get a, a decent performance advantage, and also uh, they're pushing uh, Advantage Edition or Advantage Program, which essentially is like Intel's a little harder to understand Evo program, but for gaming laptops. Um, and that is because uh, AMD realizes a lot of sort of mid-range to lower-end gaming laptops. Um, you may have a decent GPU. You might even have a good CPU. But a lot of the parts around it then are cut back to make up for the, the price of those components. And you get a lousy screen or very, very common, you get a SATA SSD. So if you buy an Advantage Edition or Advantage program laptop. I'm not sure how they're going to be labeled yet. It guarantees it'll be an NVMe SSD instead of a SATA SSD, which is still done on lower end laptops. It uh, also guarantees an I- IPS or OLED level and uh, all kinds yeah. of other things 14. that make it a better experience. Yeah, 1440p, uh, at least 300 nits, both of which are great. But the, the it's a weird little detail. But the thing that got me most interested in AMD Advantage when we were taking the briefings. Uh, they actually have a heat temperature rating for the WASD keys. So I forget the number offhand, but to be an AMD Advantage laptop, the WASD keys that you spend all day touching while you're strafing around and shooting people in Call of Duty and Apex uh, can't get hotter than a certain temperature, which I find excellent because I've used some low-end gaming laptops, and sometimes those get screaming hot, and I've had to stop playing games because those keys got too hot, and I'm, it's a 
it's just like a footnote in the end of that presentation, but I love it. Oh, I didn't see that. That's that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of looking literally for the specs cool. of it. Yeah, literally cool. I mean, these are uh, programs like this are good for consumers because it's sort of it is a way for you to identify uh, pluses that make it a better gaming experience, a better gaming laptop at the lower end. Typically, with you know higher end gaming laptops, it's not really an issue. No one's putting a SATA SSD into a high end uh, laptop. Uh, but AMD, I think they know that the AMD branding in laptops is very mainstream. And a lot of the laptops are going to go into will be lower cost. And some of the, you know, shortcuts that the, the vendors will take to get there, you know, is not going to be great. So this helps people understand it. Uh, so that's the Advantage program. And again, um, even though and this is the one thing I do want to come away from uh, on Ryzen Mobile Radeon Mobile is that it does compete very well with NVIDIA. NVIDIA is still ahead, definitely at higher higher wattage parts, especially also in content creation. Uh, and of course, ray tracing, they have an advantage. But for pure gaming tasks, I think it's, it's worth taking a look at. And AMD is making it way more affordable. The uh, Asus Strix G15 that everybody reviewed the the Radeon 6800M and came with a Ryzen 9 um, 5800HX, 16 gigs of memory and a 512 gig SSD, so a little smaller, but 1080p panel, 300 nits, all the other advantage stuff. This thing is supposed to sell for $1,600, which Ooh. is yeah, that's really like a 3060 to to strip down 3070 laptop that I was looking at and. I think that's really the the magic bullet here for AMD is, you know what, we're going to price these things low enough so that you can get sort of that high-end 3070, low-end 3080, mid-range 3080 performance for a lot less money. And they're going to sort of attack NVIDIA based on pricing, it feels like. Yeah, that's pretty compelling, especially because those AMD Advantage laptops, uh, they include, you know, smart access memory and smart chip both. So you know, pure pedal to the metal in terms of performance as far yep. as those chips go. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing is APUs. Brad is going to talk about the APUs because all I know is two models, APUs. Okay, yeah. So there are two models of APUs. Uh, let me open this tab. Okay. So, right. yeah. Uh, you know, AMD already announced these, the Ryzen 5000 series APUs that have modern Zen 3 architecture with converted to 7 nanometer Radeon Vega graphics cores. Uh, they announced at Computex that even though these were originally for pre-built systems, now the Ryzen 5 and Ryzen 7 version are going to be coming to DIY channels on August 5th. Uh, these are quite a bit different than the APUs you might be used to, though. Uh, we've always loved the Ryzen APUs, the second gen and third gen ones. Those are the only two that came out for the DIY channels. Uh, and we love them because they have those pretty potent Radeon Vega graphics cores that can let you play games. You know, yeah, you got to make some compromises, but you can play games. Uh, and those chips were all four cores, eight threads, roughly. Uh, varied amounts of graphics. But the cool part about them was they were 89 to $150. Uh, these new Ryzen 5000 series APUs are more expensive, uh, but they're also much more potent. 
which people have been asking for for years. When are we going to get an eight core Ryzen APU? Finally, we have it. Ryzen seven five, Ryzen seven fifty seven hundred G has eight cores and sixteen threads of Zen three goodness. Uh, up to four point six gigahertz base clock uh, and eight Vega GPU cores at two gigahertz, which is really crazy for integrated graphics. Uh, that costs three hundred and fifty nine dollars. Uh, the Ryzen 5 5600G has six cores and 12 threads, up to 4.4 gigahertz boost, and seven Radeon Vega GPU cores at 1.9 gigahertz, which, again, that's really blazing speed for, inter- for integrated graphics. I'm hoping I get a chance to play with these. Uh, so, yeah, that one costs 260 bucks. So these are quite a bit more than prior-gen APUs, but they do have more cores, which people were asking for. Uh, speaking with Robert Halleck, the technical marketing person at Ryzen, uh, he was saying these are basically the non-X stand-in chips in their lineup. So if you look at the pricing, these basically bracket either side of the 5600X. People have been saying, hey, where's the 5800 non-X? Where's the 5600 non-X? AMD considers these to be those products. Uh, they, the right, <clears throat> pardon me. Pre-built, pre-built systems are getting a Ryzen 3 version as well. That's not going to be coming to DIY. So we're not going to be able to get that four-core version. Uh, <clears throat> part of the reason behind that, Halle uh, confirmed, Lisa Sue said to investors earlier this month, we really have to prioritize what we're doing because of the chip shortage. And we're prioritizing kind of higher-end processors right now. And so that's where we are. These chips... We're going to have to test them and see, but people have been asking for high-end APUs, and on August 5th, you'll be able to get them, albeit for slightly more money than you had to spend before. And uh, uh, for reference, the uh, Core i7-11700 is $340. So it's a $30 difference to, to get those better integrated graphics. Yeah, to get the 5700G. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a weakness uh, besides the heat of Rocket Lake is the the GPUs were scaled back to because simply there's just not the space. It's not a it's not a Tiger Lake UP3. So it's funny how <laughs> everybody complains and, and whines about integrated graphics. But at a certain level, they're like they wished they had <laughs> the Tiger Lake integrated graphics, the full 96 EUs on, <laughs> on the lower end parts. Along those lines, and I have an article on PCWorld.com, obviously, uh, there is an AMD-supplied chart that shows performance versus the 11700K in various games and content creation stuff. Always take vendor-supplied numbers with a grain of salt. They don't have actual benchmarks. They just have up to 1.63x, up to 1.22. So it's not hard numbers. Uh, But considering today's environment with graphics cards, even though these chips cost a little bit more, if you have not been able to find a graphics card for yourself, or if your kid fell in love with Apex Legends, but you can't find a graphics card to build them a computer, even at 260 bucks, 300 whatever bucks the other one is, these could very well be a good cost-conscious way to build a gaming PC, just as these APUs always have been. Yeah. And uh, there's there's some sort of technology that'll make them even better. 
coming uh, a little later too. So, yeah, <laughs> should we get into that or is that a segue? I mean, is that, you want <laughs> to move? Because I was, I was just thinking it is a pretty smart idea to start with an APU later on if GPUs become affordable. You drop a you know one in and you yep you sort of you haven't you don't waste the money of trying to buy a low end GPU yep. and just yep. simply. So that's that's pretty clever. But yes, as as Adam was alluding to, I mean, gosh, you know, again, AMD really just I think blew everybody's socks off because besides having mobile Radeon, besides having the APUs on all this other stuff, there's also some epic news. I think they at the last part, uh, Lisa Sue of course talked about Vcash, which is nobody. I'll, I'll tell you. The reason oh, why I, I thought we we're going in a different. Yeah, we're not yeah. going in that direction. That's, yeah, that's not what I was talking about. No, no. We're talking about the other one. Starts with an F. Fidelity <laughs> FX Super Resolution. Oh yeah! Is I mean, oh my God! <laughs> You're right. You know what? We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the other. It's crazy that I think people would have been satisfied if FSR was just here. So I think yeah. they really. Yes, and also back it up. And also <laughs> the other thing that makes the gaming. Um, more spectacular, faster, faster is the long-awaited, highly anticipated Fidelity FX Super Resolution, right? FSR? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know so, what it does because I don't know. I'm dumb. Brad, tell me what it does. So, yeah, this is uh, very different from DLSS, NVIDIA's DLSS, but it's basically AMD's DLSS competitor. But it works on NVIDIA graphics cards, too, which is pretty mm. interesting. So, yeah, they've been teasing it for months. Scott Herkelman was on here a few months ago, and he said, we're going to have this this year. We're working hard on it. Uh, everyone took his language to mean towards the end of the year. I thought they were all jumping the gun a bit. Turns out that's correct. They announced during CompuText that Fidelity Effects Super Resolution, I'm just going to call it Super Resolution from now on, uh, is coming out on June 22nd. We'll see its first public release, I believe. Uh and it looks pretty cool. Uh, they showed actually one of the. They showed two still images showing the it versus native, uh, and one of them was actually for the first time ever in my decade plus tech journalism career. They showed it running on competitor hardware. Uh, they showed Fidelity FX Super Resolution running on the GTX 1060, which is the most popular graphics card on Steam. And using their quality mode, running in Godfall, the native speeds were 27 frames per second. When you flipped on super resolution and quality mode, that jumps it up to 38 frames per second, a 41% increase. That's pretty cool. Uh, like DLSS, super resolution is going to have several different modes available to you. Uh, so you can pick whether you want to prioritize speed or you want to prioritize visual quality. DLSS does that now. They have quality, balanced performance, and if you want to try to get 8K gaming, they have ultra performance, which you shouldn't use for anything but an 8K screen because it looks like butt. Uh, but uh, Fidelity FX Super Resolution is also going to have ultra quality, quality, balanced and performance and they again showed this in godfall so while they didn't put out a list of games yet that are going to be supported godfall i think is clearly going to be one of them uh running natively at 4k with the epic preset with ray tracing on 
which is that's the big deal for super resolution, right? Where like AMD is getting murdered in ray trace games because they don't have something like DLSS to make up for it. This is that answer. So running and Godfall at Epic preset with ray tracing on the 6800 XT runs at 49 frames per second, native quality out of the box, flipping it to ultra quality, which is the best looking preset, uh, bumps that to 78 frames per second. So that immediately jumps up 30 extra frames per second, just using the prettiest looking ultra quality setting. Bumping that to quality instead of ultra quality adds another 20 frames per second. So you're going from 49 frames per second native to 99 frames per second with quality setting. Turning on the balance mode gets you up to 124 frames per second. And if you turn on the performance mode, 150 frames per second, AMD is saying. So yeah, that's a pretty big uh, speed increase when you turn those on pretty excited to see how it works uh it works quite a bit differently than dlss does now uh dlss as well as the new temporal super resolution that epic showed off for unreal engine 5 this week uh they both use temporal data so motion vectors uh time-based things to kind of anticipate where the screen's going fill in the blanks that way uh i talked to scott herkelman about this he didn't go into Technical details, they said more details will come as we get closer to June 22nd. Uh, They use spatial ump sampling instead. Uh, So typically works roughly the same as DLSS and stuff like that. You you render it at a lower resolution, and then spatial ump sampling uses interpolation. I'm not even sure how to say that word. Is that right? I think so. Techniques. Yeah, interpolation to uh, fill in all the blank pixels. So it's different under the hood. It's spatial rather than temporal based. So we'll have to see uh, if the the proof is in the pudding, right? Uh, The first generation of DLSS, DLSS 1.0 was spatial as well. Didn't have temporal stuff. And that was pretty hit and miss. Uh, AMD is working, uh, is talking to Scott Herkelman. He said that turning on the ultra quality FSR, it's very similar and pretty close to native rendering. So I think there is going to be obviously some loss in visual quality. You get that with any of these, even DLSS quality mode. If you look, sometimes it can make it look better, but if you look at certain areas, it'll make it look worse in certain areas as well. Uh, we're going to have to see what that actually is, what it, how it winds up looking in practice when this comes out on June 22nd. Uh, that's a big boost in speed, though. Uh, AMD says that there are 10 game studios and engines going to support FSR in 2021. Uh, that's not 10 games. That's studios and engines. We'll see what that winds up being in real life as far as game support. Uh, but Herkelman also told me that there will be a tremendous amount more in 2022. And while this first iteration is focused on the PC, They've very publicly stated many times in the past the goal is to get FSR running on consoles as well. This is part of GPU open, so people can go look at the code, do all that stuff. Uh, And if that happens, then there very well could be a tremendous amount more in 2022. But exciting times. You know, it's it's pretty clever, too, I think, because um, it seems like they're sticking with the strategy AMD's been taking 
They have to build consensus. They have to make it open. And by making it open, they get more support because, I mean, mm-hmm. half the battle with getting a new feature supported on any CPU or GPU is, is getting the developers aboard to support it. So yeah. it, it's I think it's really smart because, one, they get that on consoles. Hey, it supports everybody. And it's interesting. AMD can now go to develop a, de- a developer house and say, hey, look, you support FSR. You don't only get a bump on Radeon cards, which admittedly is a smaller part of the market, you're going to get this on the, the GTX 1060, which is the most popular graphics card on in, on Steam, right? Yeah. So the developer's like, oh, yeah, you know, this supports everybody. I give all of my customers higher frame rates, and voila, you suddenly now find yourself as, you know, and, the, and the do- leading technology yeah. there. And doing that showcase with the 1060 was really clever, too, because it kind of pressures NVIDIA to be like, yo, you want to support this? Like, we already put it running on a 1060. You want to make sure that your cards support this as well. So it's some clever machinations there. Well, I, I mean, and not, not just 1060, but uh, APUs, which I was alluding to mm-hmm. earlier, right? Uh, that's going to help, you know, any, anyone kind of closer to the to the low-end range, but also older generations of AMD cards, like all the way, all the way back to... a 580 is or at least is yep. what they they mentioned so you yep. know like that so, that's that's pretty cool yeah it's gonna work on 500 series vega both versions of navi gtx 10 at least it was running on he said it could run on 10 series on up uh and apus so quite a bit of support there yeah and yeah. Brad, they said specifically only 500 series right so even though it shares the same architecture with the 400 series that's off the table yeah, they said specifically 500. Uh, I thought it would be the 400 as well, but they specifically said 500. So hmm. Interesting. I, I wonder why they would sure the details there. Well, I mean, this is, this is the first broad strokes review. As we learn more technical details, the answer might appear to us. Um, so I have a question, Brad. As a video card reviewer, or John Petty would like to say graphics card. It irks him when people say video card. Mm-hmm. Uh how is this going to affect how you review it? Because this feels like we are going to very, very quickly get into a visual quality, image quality war. Um, well, that which I'm in again, I'm going to bring up some old time battles, but ATI and NVIDIA and all the vendors used to just snipe each other by saying, Oh, look at this terrible anti aliasing they do. And they yep. would send over test images and you go like, wow, this AA is terrible on this. And, and they would basically try to 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 fud everybody their competition because they do something terrible. Are reviewers going to really? Are you going to have to go like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna run pure frame rate, you know, uh, super sampling or DLSS whatever FSR features off, and then turn it on, and then you have yeah. to now test one more thing. Uh, short answer: Yes, kind of. Long answer being, I test graphics cards without any of those proprietary extra things turned on anyway. So uh, when I test graphics cards, I don't test games with DLSS running, with G-Sync running, with FreeSync running, with various fidelity effects stuff that only work on AMD cards. Uh, those don't get tested for our base benchmarks uh, because it's really a level playing field head-to-head. That's what I'm looking to provide. Uh, that being said... 
ray tracing and now these upsampling technologies that help enable playable ray tracing are definitely part of the conversation and have to be. Uh, so especially, especially when it's the first couple cards of a new architecture. Uh, but ideally, every time we do the reference reviews of a card, so like the Founders Edition or AMD's reference card, uh, I would also include a separate section that has DLSS or Fidelity FX Super Resolution numbers specifically. Uh, it's going to be tricky if the games aren't the same games. Uh, going to have to figure that all out. Uh, but part of that's going to have to be, I envision at some point, a deep dive into FSR versus DLSS specifically. Definitely. That keep updated, have all, all the info that you need to know in there and reference that so people can see that when they're looking at the numbers. So, and, and just to be, uh, just to clarify, because I think we, we, we've seen some confusion before, this still needs, this not, it's not like something you can just turn on and it applies to, to all games. Uh, no. It still needs to be implemented by the developer, but because it's not hardware specific in the way that DLSS, DLSS is, that hopefully it should be taken wider advantage of? Yes. Uh, yeah, developers do have to support it. Uh, that's definitely true. It's not just going to be something you can turn on. Uh, it is... It does have wider hardware support. Again, they didn't go into technical details other than saying it's spatial, upscaling. Uh, but given that it doesn't need dedicated hardware like NVIDIA's proprietary tensor cores, uh, my guess is it's shader-based, so it should run on all those graphics cards in some way. Hmm. Okay, uh, and then also the, the, the... The devils, for for stuff like this, the devils are very much in the details. They didn't give a lot of details, yeah. so we're going to have to wait and see well, and, a couple yeah, more weeks. And we'll definitely have to see you know, uh, real-world examples and, and people sitting side-by-side side and looking at it. Uh, the The other thing is you know they obviously aren't going to talk about consoles here because that's not their news to give but as we all know if they can hit that lowest common denominator of, of it coming to consoles which i mean they could and we, we actually elena and i talked about it i mean it could potentially even come to the, the xbox one x so an older mm -hmm. gener old, the older console <laughs> could uh could get an uplift from this if they decide to go that route uh, so, you know, if, if you can get console adoption, that helps even, even more for us, us PC gamers. So, right. Yeah. E3 yeah. is just around the corner. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, do we know if AMD is presenting at E3? Have they officially said anything? I don't think so. They did I don't, I, I don't think they've said anything. I'm not sure if they are or not. Well, they wouldn't need to. It would be something that Microsoft would announce at their, uh, presser if it was going to get announced by you know, company. I, I wouldn't expect that immediately for the consoles, just because when Scott was on here last time, he did stress that, look, we're trying to get this on the PC first. The goal is to get it across everything, but we're going to be launching here first. So my guess will be that it's going to be PC specific for a little bit while they work out the kinks. Got it. Yeah. Cool. But uh, I, I do imagine AMD will, again, they haven't announced any appearance, but you know, E3 is a good time to grab more headlines, so I would imagine they have more news there relating to mm -hmm. PC gaming mm -hmm. on their, their end of things anyway. Or at least maybe showing just a little bit more information, right? Of you know, Maybe, hey, we talked about this in Computex, let's expand on it just a little bit more, reiterate that it's coming out, what, June 22nd? Is that the first 
games yeah. that are supported. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that. June E3 is the week of June 13th, I think. Uh, so even if they don't have an E3 formal thing, I'm sure they'll have something tied to this launch. I do have a question real quick for you, Brad, from the Twitch chat. Uh, Corbin, friend of the show, Corbin, wants to know, uh, would you expect uh, FSR to run better on AMD cards? Uh, it'll depend on the details. It really, it really 100% depend, depends on that. Uh, I'm interested to see, I can't pronounce his name, someone on Twitter, Durowie or whatever, was shared me a speculative post of his theorizing that it might wind up being faster on the Navi cards because they can take advantage of the infinity cache in special ways to enable this, which is an interesting thought. Uh, if that winds up being true, I'm going to retweet that guy and be like, Hey, this guy had it before any of us knew it, <laughs> but we're going to have to wait and see. We are a hundred percent in the wait and see point. But at least it's here. And uh, at least we, we get to check it out. Finally hopefully soon. Yeah. People have been screaming yeah. about it forever. So, uh, Gordon, now is a good time to maybe talk about 3D vCache. What the yeah. hell? I, I've got questions, but yeah. Yeah, so, um, and actually earlier I alluded to this being on APUs. I have no insight into that, and actually it probably won't be there in the first place. But the mic drop moment from Computex and AMD's last huge announcement was its 3D vCache. And that was, it was, it has basically developed a stackable uh, L3 cache that it's going to put atop of high-end Ryzen Zen 3-based CPUs by the end of this year. So uh, we did a deeper dive call with AMD, and I'm going to, Give him the shout out because I I always get names wrong here, but um, Sam Nafziger, who is basically the product technology architect, uh, basically a super brain, one of the super brains he's, over there. He's a smart dude. One of the yeah, one of the big brains over at AMD, and um, he talked about Vcash. <clears throat> Obviously, we they could not say anything, any hard details about what product it would show up on, when it would show up on specifically. But end of this year, Zen 3, Ryzen, <clears throat> and it's basically uh, 64 megs of, of SRAM cache that is dropped on top of a compute die. So potentially, what, 96 megabytes of L3? Is that right? I don't on, know how much L3. <clears throat> on a 12... On a 12 and, and 16 core uh, Ryzen 5000 part. Uh, also, you know, it's it's actually not. It doesn't affect the Z height of the CPU because I think a lot of people thought, "Wow, this this is going to make it thicker." Clearly, it's it's built for uh, AM5 and 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 Zen 4 parts. But no, uh, he said they were able to shave it down, so there's no. Uh, impact on the Z height, it'll basically fit inside of existing uh, AM4 Ryzen CPU packages under the heat spreader. So you don't have to, you know, buy something new. So clearly it's coming to existing part or existing infrastructure. Uh, also, um, he said the SRAM itself is, <clears throat> uh, doesn't, 
Because I think the other concern was is heat, is you basically take your compute dies and then you now have to, wow, you're putting a blanket of silicon on top of it. Is that going to be a problem? He said, no, they're, they're able to mitigate that. And also uh, the SRAM itself, the cache is only over where the existing L3 is. So it's not over the entire compute die. It's actually only over the sections where there is L3. That's smart. And which, the rest of it is basically used to help transfer heat. Which, yeah, some people were asking in chat, it, could could they use this to to stack actual cores? But that's probably not, <laughs> uh, or, or, or at least not right now. Like, it, it's probably easier to stack cache rather than uh, put anything on cores, right? Yeah. <laughs> 16 I mean, cores, not enough for you? <laughs> yeah, what do you need, right? Go, go buy a third or up. They... I, th- I suppose um, one thing that was interesting is, again, you know, um, Ian Cutchers over at Anontech uh, asked, uh, hey, he's like, hey, you know, an early Milan BIOS we looked at, it actually had um, some 3D stack option in the BIOS. Like you could do one stack, two stack, three stacks. And uh, basically it sort of implies that you might see uh, an epic or a Threadripper or, uh, you know, a much beefier uh, CPU with multiple stacks of this V V cache on there. Uh, and they said, yeah, it is, there's nothing to stop us from doing that. So you can do it. Also um, there's a question of latency. I think when they first announced that people were like, wow, there's, there's going to be like some kind of weird latency between the, the L3 that's actually in the compute dies and this stack portion. Um, and, and Sam said that, you know, um, it's probably not measurable or noticeable. Um, basically, he said that um, because the way it's constructed, remember, you take your existing CPU, you stack the vCache on top, and then it uses something called TSVs through silicon vias, which um, you sort of saw an iteration of on those Vega parts. Remember, they did the HPM memory. So TSVs basically drill holes through the silicone into the sil- silicon below, and you basically have more interconnects that are more direct, sort of shorter. It's shorter distance to the cache than it might be to go somewhere else in on the package. So yeah. it basically sort of comes out in the wash. It's not a real changer, you know? I, go ahead. I think it's super interesting what they're doing with, like, AMD in the modern Radeon and Ryzen era obviously has killer parts. You couldn't say that before, and now they have killer CPU and GPU cores. But I find all the stuff that they're doing with cache, with interconnects, with all that kind of stuff, just spectacularly interesting. You've got Infinity Cache on the Radeon side. Uh, the 5900X already has that big L3. They call it Game Cache, right? Uh, now they're adding, going to be adding this on top of that, so it'll be even bigger L3 Game Cache. So it'll work kind of like Infinity Cache, but built into the Ryzen processors for the CPU side of things. In the presentation, Lisa Su said that adding this cache they tested a bunch of games. Performance increased anywhere from 4 to 25% with an average of 14. Uh, and I just find all the stuff they're doing to use caches and interconnects and all this stuff to get around the limitations of modern actual CPU and GPU design. Super interesting. Yeah, and I think it really shows that AMD had a really, really good game plan a long yeah. time ago and they have been able to execute on this it is built on a tsmc stacking technology but the fact that 
TSMC was able to make it work and AMD was able to make it work with their architecture. It's just sort of like, and it just comes at an amazing time. I mean, like, yeah, uh, Monster Hunter World is where they were saying 25%, uh, League of Legends, 4%, uh, Fortnite, 17%, Gears 5, 12%, Dota is 18%, you know, because, you know, gaming really has benefited from the, the big ass caches on these modern CPUs. So it really does benefit gaming. I did ask yesterday, well, does this help? Can you give us any kind of hint, any kind of titillation that gets excited for application support elsewhere that that might actually um, improve? And they're like, yeah, you know, there's studies out there to show what increasing cash sizes uh, can help. So, you know. That's what I was going to ask. Go see well. those. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to tell us. Um, I, I will say, Going all the way back to Intel's Crystal Well, because remember they did this um, embedded D, embedded DRAM, uh, 128 megs way back when. It was an L4. Uh, they trotted somebody out from Adobe, and the Adobe person was super excited because, they, look, they were saying this cache is doesn't benefit just, you know, gaming, you know, because you have that increased memory bandwidth. But it, it does benefit Adobe applications. You just have the larger cache, and, you know, we can do great stuff, you know, at, Video encoding is long said to benefit from large caches. So I, I think clearly AMD is not ready to drop the other shoe on application performance increases from the large uh, cache. But I think there, there will be some noticeable differences in some apps. and some apps, probably not a big difference. Hmm. Um, uh, and also they did say this does not require, oh, you need software support. You don't have to have developers go back and tune for this. It, I mean, maybe they could tune for a larger cache, but it doesn't like any application will be able to simply see larger L3. It's not it's not like some something you have to specifically support on an, in an existing application. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, we do have a question from uh, the X-Man on uh, YouTube. Will How will this affect uh, SAM performance? Will, will it improve SAM performance? Do you, huh, do that's you, a good question. Think- I I didn't ask that. I'm I, I suppose it could potentially, you know, you know, they, AMD keeps touting that Sam works way better than Rebar, so um, I suppose it, it could help them as well. I actually kind of wonder whether it, this it does, makes it does work better than straight Rebar. Just to put that out there, they yeah. definitely have optimizations. Oh. I I was wondering about, um, and I didn't ask it, but like, does direct storage could it make a difference? Does direct storage you know? Yeah. We're going to have to I mean, wait and see. It's going to depend. It's going to depend. We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. We're going to have to, we're going to have to wait and see, but it is exciting because I don't think anybody really saw this. I think somebody, I think somebody, I sort of thought like, Oh, maybe they'll do an XT part. You know, they sort of save up these high, high bend, you know, Ryzen 5,000 parts to compete with Alder Lake when it comes out. But you know, this coming out basically saying around the end of this year, going into production so maybe for the holiday maybe early next year i guess uh, this is the ces keynote reveal it feels like it will be but you know maybe you know intel will get a little bit of space with alder lake but um and of course some people go like well what does that mean for zen 4 i think that means you know zen 4 is yeah definitely 
there's going to be a little more padding. If they announce Zen 3 with Vcash, whatever uh, Zen 4 comes out at, it's going to be, you know, also, you know, again, confirm 5 nanometer for Zen 4. Um, Lisa can uh, confirm that as well. You got to figure that may be first quarter, I mean, first half of 2022, not necessarily like they're going to announce Zen 3 and then and then drop Zen 4 on top of it. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that was that was my question. I, I mean, and you 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 keep answering my questions, Gordon. You're just you're just too smart. Uh, the yeah, it's like you know, will this be? Because she showed a a prototype, a 5900x, saying, "Hey, look, it's the the same exact size." Obviously, she showed it, but we can't see it. Uh, but you know, just to kind of say, "Hey, look, we we did it on on something that exists today." Like, I, and and yeah, I, I'm I'm just wondering if if that means it's a it's an XT. Uh, you know, a re- refresh for five thousand. If this comes to six thousand before we we get to AM five, uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I don't I don't know what the branding will be. Um, I, I suppose it is possible they could still drop high bin parts um, to compete with Alder Lake. If and again, you know, there's no guarantees Alder Lake is really going to going to wow everybody because I think there's still a lot of We'll see what Alder Lake is. You always got to wait and see. It's very so, different. It's very different. It, you know, um, you know, Rocket Lake was probably underwhelming for a lot of people, for what it was. Even though, you know, I, I think you're using 14 nanometer to get what you can out of it. But I think they didn't have to do anything, so they may just let it ride until they announce these, um, these Vcash parts. But you know, what's interesting is I was this morning, I was thinking, hey, you know what, <clears throat> it's. It's funny, but this is sort of like an old playbook for AMD. Although, um, I don't know if anybody remembers the K6 3D. This is an ancient 1990s socket seven, super socket seven CPU that uh, AMD basically added a, a buttload of cash onto. And it did actually give it a, a, a noticeable dent in, in performance versus the competing Intel part. And Intel had a complete, you want to talk, I called it PAX Intel because there was like Intel, there was nobody else that existed in CPUs at that time. K6-3 actually did um, decently in performance in some things against uh, the Pentium 3s at that time, but it didn't make a difference against Intel because they just had a lock on it. But it's funny that they they basically took an existing CPU and I, I think it was like 128 megs of of cash that they dropped on there. I think it was L3 as well. So it's just kind of like, wow, you know, that's kind of like we're sort of repeating history <laughs> in some ways. I, I'm sure people don't remember the K63, but that was, I mean, it was a very short uh, flash in the pan part. Actually, so. uh, Drew Pinkard or Pickard in the chat says, I have an a- AMD K6 in a box right there, right at his fingertips. Oh, <laughs> don't know what yeah. he's doing with it, but. <laughs> My so, but yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's, it's really it's it's super exciting and again it's it's one of those things where amd was able to surprise and delight everybody one you get your loyal am4 customers who want one more upgrade and this is that most likely going to be that one more upgrade everybody wants out of their am4 socket so that's for people on ryzen 3000 and don't think it's worth going to ryzen 5000 Ryzen 6000, whatever it's going to be called, I don't know, 5000 plus could be really a worthwhile upgrade. 
So uh, 64-bit goodness before we move on to, to NVIDIA is asking, is there going to be a price per megabyte cache chart in, your, in the future, Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how many dollars can you get for your, your megabytes <laughs> of cash? You know, I I was kind of thinking, like, I didn't do the last time I did Rocket Lake because I was just so tired. And it's like, you know what? If I try to do jam one more stupid chart into this, somebody's going to strangle me. And also, <laughs> it didn't really matter because, I mean, it. I was just thinking, you know, it's just like, why even bother? Because how would you exactly price a, a 5950X? You can't price per core because, one, it was non-existent, and it wasn't exactly MSRP. So what do you, you know, mm-hmm. and it would change every day. It would float every day. So it's just it's hard. Maybe I'll, I'll do it again at some point when things stabilize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's gotten hard to do GPU reviews as well because you're like, eh, you shouldn't buy anything right now. <laughs> Talking about GPU reviews, Brad, you have a review up this morning oh. of, a, of a brand new GPU. Out from NVIDIA that they, they just announced. Man. Brad, please give it. A lot of people. I like, I like the lighting. Yeah. A, a lot of people are waiting for the, uh, <laughs> waiting for the, your review of this, Brad. Is this, uh, should, a, should NVIDIA have released this? Is it, is it a good part? Why not just get a 390 or a 3090? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this part is the GeForce RTX 3080 Ti that was announced at Computex. Uh, 1200 bucks, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, makes sense in the current climate, but it's a bummer how prices keep creeping up for the TI models. If you remember, the 1080 TI was $700. The 2080 TI, everybody thinks of it as a $1,200 card because that's what the Founders Edition was priced at, but it was actually a $1,000 card. And there were custom models that launched and released at a thousand bucks. So this is another 200 bucks on top of that. Uh, $1,200 GeForce RTX 3080 Ti. Uh, if you're upgrading from a 1080 Ti, even if you can find one at MSRP, that's $500 more than you spent on your 1080 Ti, which I find to be a bummer. That being said, the card itself is not a bummer whatsoever. Uh, it is basically a 3090. It, is barely stripped down. It's virtually the full 3090 die. Uh, it has just, just the barest scrape scraped off of it. Uh, it has the full 384-bit bus memory system, so it's a nice, big, thick memory bus. Uh, it has 12 gigabytes of the ultra-fast GDDR6X, so you get all kinds of memory bandwidth. This thing screams at 4K. Uh it basically, there are a couple games where the Radeon 6900 XT does still win. I tested everything with resizable bar off, by the way, uh, where the 6900 XT does still win. Like Borderlands 3, F1 2020, they really like AMD's architecture. 6900 XT wins there. But in every other case, uh, the 3080 Ti beats or beats the... 6900 XT. This is a 3090 with 12 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, it, it kicks ass. They call it their new gaming flagship, and it definitely is. It just costs a whole hell of a lot of money. Brad, I have I have a question. I'm yeah. raising my hand. Um, how much is the 3090? Fifteen hundred dollars. 
And this is $300 less than 3090 and almost a 3090? Yep. Uh, I, I say in my review that if you are going off of MSRP, just MSRP prices is crazy. I try to talk about street prices day to day. But going off of MSRP, if you are looking to spend four figures on a graphics card, uh, this and you're just a gamer, this is the one you want. You don't want a 3090. So isn't that actually a deal then? I knew he was leading up to something. Yeah. What? I was just trying to figure that out because yep. like the the reaction is, of course, everybody that... glowing like uranium because <laughs> it's uh it's a ripoff, but it's basically well, a thirty ninety for three hundred dollars less. It is, and that's good. And this does, you know, the sixty nine hundred XT beat out the thirty eighty, and I'm sure Nvidia didn't like that. This. Not always, but essentially beats out the 6900 XT, so puts them ahead. Uh, but it's worth keeping in mind that we didn't really recommend the 6900 XT or the 3090 for gamers to begin with. Uh, most people, like if you want the top, you know, the Lamborghini of graphics cards, go get this, man. This is a great card. Uh, you should go get this. You'll be very happy. 8K Gaming, all that jazz video was talking about should still work just fine on this in the games that it runs on. Uh, mm-hmm. But most most people should get a 6800 XT or a 3080 instead of this. Do you think that the size of the, the amount of memory is going to be enough for 4K gaming in the future, though? I do. I do. I think the 10 gigabytes was cutting it a little bit too close uh, on the 3080 uh, because there's, like, Doom Eternal with, uh, I forget what it's called, Nightmare graphics options is a nightmare and it uses just slightly above 10 gigabytes but 12 gigabytes will handle anything going on uh i think it's still going to be the same for a while uh we'll see the consoles have 16 gigabytes so things might start creeping up as years go on but those things take time the if you're worried about it the 6900 xt does have 16 gigabytes so if you for whatever reason think that memory demands are going to go through the roof over the next couple of years, that might be a better option for you. Uh, is it the same exact housing as the 3090, size-wise? Not whatsoever. No? Oh. It is actually, which is kind of a bummer, because the Founders Edition cooler kicks butt. It's always kick butt in pretty much every iteration. Uh, for the 3090, they took it and made it freaking huge, because this is a very powerful GPU. All that GDDR6 memory takes a lot of power and generates a lot of heat. So for the 3090, they made it a triple slot card that's really long. And that is a beautiful, wonderfully efficient cooler. Like, custom cards had troubles matching the 3090 Founder Edition's cooling efficiency. But for the 3080 Ti, they put it in the two-slot 3080 design. Hmm. So the fact that it's a two-slot card is good because the vast majority of custom cards you see out there are going three slots uh, they're doing it for a reason. Uh, and taking the full, basically not quite full, 95% of the, maybe even higher than that, of the 3090 GPU, making it a 3080 Ti, and then putting it in the smaller 3082 slot cooler. Uh, you do definitely hear this card running. Uh, the temperatures are fine. They're, they're, they're good enough. They're not great like they are with the other Founders editions. Hmm. So... Interesting. Uh, we also have a question from Fastest Zero. Uh, why did you turn off resizable bar? We'll, we'll bring that up again. 
Uh, yeah, just to keep an even playing field, uh, like I was talking about earlier in the section. So NVIDIA right now only support whites has a whitelist approach, so it only supports a handful of games. Uh, AMD runs it on everything. Uh, and we just like to look at native straight performance when we're looking at evaluating graphics cards for the initial review. So to have resizable bar, you have to have virtually a brand new computer. You need to have a brand new Intel computer, a brand new AMD computer, this generation, last generation to get it. So if you still have an 8600K, if you still have, you know, Ryzen second gen, you don't get resizable bar. It's not supported. So I like to test with that off to begin with. In an ideal world, I would have tested that as well as ray tracing performance. Uh, time constraints prevented that from happening because this is launching right in the middle of Computex on a holiday weekend. <laughs> but uh, this is a 3090. So if you want to see how this card is going to hang in those titles, if you go look up resizable VAR testing for a 3090, if you go look up ray tracing testing for a 3090, take off 5%, not even 5%, and you have the 3080 Ti. There are reasons to still get a 3090, though. This card doesn't kill anything. Like, if they priced this at 1000 bucks, it would have demolished the... Not demolished, but it would have. I would have firmly recommended this over the 6900 XT. Since it's $200 more, there's room for all these cards to exist for different reasons. The 3090 specifically uh, doesn't have light hash rate uh, technology that nerfs cryptocurrency Ethereum mining, these cards the 3080 Ti's all will so if you want to do some mining you're going to want the 3090 if you need that 24 gigabytes of memory for content creation you won't need it for gaming, if you want it for content creation or deep learning or stuff like that you're going to want the 3090 hmm. same with uh, SLI support the 3090 supports SLI, this card does not so there are still reasons to get a 3090 that card was always more intended for creators and the creators should still look that way. I'm just sorry. I was looking away. I've been looking up the buy it now prices for um, <laughs> video cards. Uh, 2080 founders edition is a thousand dollars. A, um, <sighs> the, the 2080 TIs were uh, $800. I, I'm surprised they're not more. <laughs> they must have been coming down. <laughs> then maybe they're coming down, but it just feels like the normal sort of reaction, gut reaction over, oh my God, $1,200 is a ripoff, is like, what planet are you living on? It is a ripoff. Because I, it is a ripoff. It, it, it is. is it? <laughs> if you could get, let me, Brad, let me, let me give you a you choice. Here. You shouldn't buy any of these if you can help it. It's, they uh, are all, if you're a buy graphics card right now, no matter what it is, you're getting ripped off. Brad, you're a professional video card reviewer. I, I got some cash. I need to buy a video card. Should mm -hmm. I buy this uh, GeForce RTX 2080 Founders Edition for $1,050 plus $10 shipping? Hey, pretty good price <laughs> in shipping. Or should I buy a $1,200 RTX 3080 Ti? Because that, that feels like a ripoff, man, right? I shouldn't pay for that. I should just get that 2080 Founders Edition? <laughs> well, 30 is bigger than 20, though, so I would definitely go with the, the 3080 Ti. I wouldn't, again, the end of my review here, I say it, I, I end by my conclusion is I'm going to say the same thing here, just like I said with the 6700 XT, just like I said with the 3060. All these things are terrible price to performance values compared to what they're replacing. And if 
once you factor in all the graphics short graphics chip shortage stuff, if you're lucky enough to get an MSRP drop somehow, if you beat the bots and you beat the scalpers, great, enjoy, have fun with your Lamborghini graphics card. Uh, but the vast majority of people right now should not be buying graphics cards, which sucks to say because that's like half of my job is to review graphics cards and tell you what graphics cards to buy and how to do stuff with them. It has been a terrible half a year for that. <laughs> but right now, you really should go play GeForce Now or something rather than spending. Oh, there it is. Drink. <laughs> Bing, there it is. Bing, the chat yeah, bing, bing, the bing, chat bing, bing. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it's, it stinks. It stinks, but it's true. <laughs> I I know, but I, I guess what I'm reacting to is the normal sort of ridiculous anger. There's a lot of anger. A mark. There's in, a lot of but anger it's out an, there. An ins- this is this is an insane market. Yeah, the price to performance ratio of, you know, I, I'll tell you if you well, should have bought a house in Manhattan, you know, eighty five years ago. Yeah, the price <laughs> performance. I mean, people are complaining about price to performance on things that may not go back to normal well, for a long, long time. And I just think maybe people should just sort of realize that this is a t- this is a demand based market. It is. You know? I think. I think I can understand why people are irritated. Obviously, like, oh, it's a GPU shortage. Here's another twelve hundred dollar freaking graphics card. Here's well, their second four figure lineup. If I think the issue some people are having is if you take like a GPU wafer and you cut it up into dies, like you could make scads of thirty fifty Ti's, let's say, out of one wafer. You get a handful of these out of the same wafer, but you charge a lot more for them. They could be using these GPUs to finally fulfill the demand for the 3080s. Uh, 3080s, there are people who put in their names in the queue nine long months ago and still have not gotten a card yet. So these cards could be going to that. Instead, NVIDIA is releasing this very barely slightly cut down 3090 because it obviously has a defect in some way, they can't charge as a 3090. And rather than fulfilling all those 3080 demand and orders, they're like, hey, we're going to use some of that wafer allocation to build this card that costs $500 more than 3080. If you want, if you want a GPU, buy this. And I can understand why people are irritated at it. <laughs> I, it's, I, a business, I, it's a business decision. I can understand why they are. It's a very, very, very good graphics card. Like, definitely get this if you were considering a 3090 and you're just a gamer, but I can understand the irritation around just everything. Yeah. I mean, but also we don't know if these were, I mean, they could very well have been, you know, new orders, but these could have just been, you know, salvaged 3090s that have been built up since they introduced the, the chip too. Right. And then they, yeah, and they could be 3080s, <laughs> I guess, but why? I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, what, should they go in and should they disable more cores and make 3080s? I would rather them make, uh, I don't know, I would rather I, see a 3080 Ti with more performance than to, to disable more, to artificially limit these dies to make 3080s. Yes. I, 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 don't, would, I don't personally fail strongly either way. I just understand what's going on there and I can understand why people are irritated at the decision when, like I said, people have literal like hey i want this put my name down in september and still haven't got a 3080 
I think it's I, I more just, timing than it is about the action itself, right? Like, yeah, I don't think it, anybody is going to deny the reasonable approach to making the most out of what you have, right? Like, if you burn your toast, you're not going to get rid of the like all of the good parts, right? Just to cut it down to size. But it's the fact that you're doing that while people are asking for something to eat, right? <laughs> and like, they can't afford the full slice of bread <laughs> to begin <laughs> with. Yeah, I mean these companies are—they're not—they're not in it for our health. But let me—I yeah. I, I, just—it just feels to me like, oh man, I bought this Bitcoin ten years ago for five dollars. <laughs> these new Bitcoin—the same Bitcoin now is a total ripoff for fifty thousand dollars. It's like, I mean, what? I, how do you? It's just not. Well, maybe you should have bought more than. It just doesn't. It just—it just feels sort of misplaced sometimes so that sometimes anger i mean yeah it's frustration it should be frustration to everything but the reaction is to go well this is a ripoff it's like yeah because you know we want to make money you know i like i was saying the 1080 ti was 700 dollars. the 2080 ti was a thousand now this is 1200 so they are definitely i don't i don't they are business doing business things i totally get it i mean like uh, i'm not bad about it but it's it's definitely creeping well, and especially if if you think about it, I mean, they definitely did put this up 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 on the stage, and during the keynote, they were like, "Hey, 1080 Ti owners can finally upgrade." Uh, you know, kind of kind of proposition, right? You know, take the 3090 out of the equation because it's probably viewed more like a Titan RTX or something a, mm-hmm. a little bit weird. But yeah, I mean, if you take the 1080 Ti at the time, like everybody was like, "Oh man, this is." this is the card this is crazy this is nuts you know and then yeah you jump to the 3080 ti and you almost double the price and you're like wow yeah you know what this card is nuts performance wise but damn it costs so much more uh so yeah (laughs) i mean and i understand why it costs more but it's still that at at, you know years ago we could get a 1080 ti and be like dang wow what a crazy insane card for that price uh, it's like yeah, gaming is kind of meaningless at this point. Right. Like yeah, the, right. The price it's not keep moving. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. Like if you bought the best of the best, you're like, I'm gonna go drop seven hundred bucks. That's a stupid amount of money to spend on a graphics card, but I make stupid amounts of money. I'm gonna go get a seven hundred dollar GTX ten eighty Ti so I can play in four K. Yeah. All right. It's been a few years, I'm gonna upgrade. How much are they now? Like it's that's almost another 1080 Ti on top of the original 1080 Ti's price. See, you should have got, got two when the 2080 Ti came out. Uh, we'll just call speaking, it Ty uh, Ty. Ty squared. Uh, this speaking of Ty, this is not the only graphics card that was announced. Uh, <laughs> Nvidia also announced the RTX 3070 Ti, which is a $600 graphics card, uh, the full fat version of that version of the GPU. So the 3070 was a little bit cut down. That is a $500 graphics card. This is the full fat version. You don't actually get that many more CUDA cores. Like if you look from the 3080 to the 3080 Ti, it's a massive difference in CUDA cores. That's where you get a lot of this performance. If you go from the 3070 to the 3070 Ti, it's just a few hundred CUDA cores. So it will be a little bit faster. The big difference is uh, it's going to have GDDR6X memory, that much faster memory that we were just talking about. Whereas the 3070 only has standard GDDR6. So we're going to have to wait and see for benchmarks. The card launches for $600 on June 10th, I believe it is. Uh, but if it's noticeably faster, it, especially at 4K resolution, uh, that'll be proof of 
how wonderful or not that GDDR6X memory is. Hmm. Yeah. And that's coming soon, too. Yeah. A, 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 a interesting part. It's something that we, we didn't talk about. Also, the there's there's going to be uh, third-party versions of all these. Do we do we know anything about... Uh, it sounds like uh, other people have, have talked about pricing through the roof for the 3080 Ti of uh, third-party cards. <laughs> Uh, the pricing is going to be stupid on these. Uh, it's the same as every other card. Everything, like, everybody's getting theirs. NVIDIA, like I said, if this was a $1,000 card, it would sit with me a lot better if it just matched the price of the 2080 Ti. But NVIDIA already tacked on 200 bucks. Uh, you can expect custom board partners to add on their standard 100 to $200 upcharge. You can expect the distributors to add an upcharge. You can expect the retailers to add their own upcharge. Everything that's been going on with all these graphics cards during this terrible, terrible time is going to happen here too. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are definitely third-party cards. Uh, I already have the EVGA for the Win 3, so their high-end model in-house. I've already fully tested it. Uh, it kicks butt. Uh, the 3080 Ti Founders Edition is almost a 3090. The overclocked, you know, much thicker, so better cooling, triple fan for the Win 3, uh, actually meets or beats the 3090 in a lot of cases. So it, it's like a 3090 killer for that card pricing is TBD, but it's roughly thirteen fifty. So it's another $150 upcharge on top of the base pricing, uh, which is typical for a high-end card like this. Because the four to win threes that they're high-end cards, it has fan headers, it has RGB, all the things, it has bio switches, it has ICX technology. So uh we got an interesting question from the Discord uh questions uh liquid r it's multi-part so i'm, I'm gonna take it piece by piece looking at uh, uh supposed prices of the aib 3080 ti being nearly two times msrp of the founders on top of the other inflated uh should nvidia amd limit how much of a premium their board partners charge do you think they should step in uh that gets into Weird and murky and ethical business questions, and I yeah. don't really have uh, I don't really have an opinion on that. I don't I don't think I I will I will give you my opinion. I don't think they can limit partners. I have seen that done online for some places, but typically the limit on prices is to make sure it doesn't undercut the price. Like yeah, there's some products that are sold online that you cannot they will they will slap your hand if you go under the price. You could charge as much as you want. We live in a capitalist society. These are for-profit companies. We're buying if, they, if they're going to limit uh, board partners from raising prices on them, it's just it's not going to happen. Those board partners are not going to be happy, you know. And again, remember, these companies they go through some very very lean years. Sometimes there have been some super lean years. Sometimes the margins still aren't fantastic on these generally. So. If this is a good time to actually make more money for them, I and people are willing to buy it, that's ultimately this what this is. If you want the prices to come down, don't buy them. That's a simple yeah. answer to everything. You don't buy it. The more people who don't buy these things, the prices will come down. Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know, but that is the only way to sort of force it in the system that we live in and that is set up. That is the only way to do it. But they can't come in and tell. I mean, could you imagine like, oh, my God, we're like, it's feast or famine and we're making finally good money. And then 
were getting yelled at from NVIDIA or AMD for making money. It's like... And, and for what it's worth, back before the terrible, terrible shortage started, when the new-gen Radeon and RTX cards first launched, so last fall, September or whatever, uh, I spoke to people at third-party board partners on both sides, AMD and NVIDIA, both, like... And pretty much every manufacturer, I not manufacturer, every person I talked to at these different companies were saying the margins at MSRP were actually incredibly tight on these. So if you look back and you remember when these first launched, even before these shortages, all the, all the GPUs that we were seeing were the very high-end models that had very high premiums. And that's because the GPU makers already felt, or at least the people who were willing to talk to me felt that the margins were already too thin. So it is like board board makers. They don't, there's some things they don't make a lot of money on. Their margins are much slimmer than you would think. They're just, they're making hay while the sun shines right now. Uh, well, on the, the flip side of that, their second question is uh, with some evidence that some board partners are selling large quantities of cards directly to mining operations. Should the uh, AM, and NVIDIA and AMD step in on that? Uh, NVIDIA already has. It's introduced light hash rate technology. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think if I own something, right? Like if I buy a car from the car dealership, uh, that's my car. I can do with it what I want. I think it's the same deal with these board partners. Like they buy the GPU and the GDDR6, the package from NVIDIA. Uh, after that, it's up to them to do what they want with it, which, you know, sucks when you're looking to get an affordable graphics card in today's market. But, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, go play GeForce now. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, ultimately... Mention number two. If everybody just simply just said, like, you know what, I'm going to take a break for 24 months, then or just not upgrade, mm-hmm. prices will come down. That's what I'm doing. I had every intention of upgrading my rig this year, but I'm not. Nice. Uh, well, let's, let's get to Intel um, real quick. Because uh, we have we have some stuff on there before uh, Elena has to pop out. And Brad, if if you if you need to pop out, feel free uh, at nope. any point too. But yeah, uh, Intel they they also had a presentation. We did not do a live stream of that, but uh, Gordon and Elena, I guess, both have uh, something to say about that. Mm-hmm. I think Elena's probably got the sort of surprise and delight from Intel. If you want to go for it. Yeah. So uh, as part of the press briefing that we got, they did a sneak peek of a new gaming focused NUC. So as I'm pretty sure most everyone listening knows, the NUCs are the next unit of computing, uh, mini PCs that they do. Uh, normally the the base model, I guess you call it, are the little square ones, four by four inches. Uh, they came out with um, kind of a gaming focused one where it's mostly, it's all bare bones kits, but most everything was soldered. Um, so that was like the VHS tape sized one. So that's uh, Skull Canyon, Hades Canyon, now Phantom Canyon. And since Phantom Canyon came out earlier this year, it's kind of surprised that they now came out with Beast Canyon which is actually a, a successor to what we saw last year, Ghost Canyon, which essentially is a small form factor PC. The difference is this time, Ghost Canyon was five liters and could only fit small form factor size graphics cards, discrete graphics cards. Now Beast Canyon can fit up to 12 inch uh, full length discrete graphics cards. So they're basically taking that super, so I like to call it like Duplo, 
you know, if we call PC building Lego, like the Ghost Canyon and Beast Canyon Nucks are like Duplo building, you know, <laughs> where it's you got the compute element on one side uh, that has, you know, all the necessary stuff to actually, you know, handle the com compute side processing. And then you have the other side, which is the graphics card. So you just go like chunk, chunk, and like you're done <laughs> because the chassis includes an integrated power supply. And all you do is plug that into the wall and you're, you just install Windows or Linux or, you know, and you're off to off to the races at that point. Um, they didn't give many details beyond that the compute element is also going to be an upgraded version over the one we saw back in 2020 so that version used ninth gen intel parts mobile parts this version is going to use the new tiger lake h series parts uh, there's gonna be an i5 i7 i9 model um, up to 65 watt processors um but outside of that information there's really not that much that they officially revealed. Um, I, I did do like a like freeze frame, like close up look at it. So it looks like it's two slot graphics cards at most. Um, possibly there could be room in there for like two and a half, but you know, it's hard to tell. Um, the back of the compute element looks really similar to the previous one. Um, so this looks more like and they did say that this is an extension of Tiger Lake H, which to me suggests this is the reason why they're doing it, as opposed to it being like a complete overhaul and upgrade to Ghost Canyon. Um, the look is different. So Ghost Canyon was really minimalist, very streamlined. It looks like a very like rounded edges, like just a, like a little box. Cool. This has this has this had kind of for me a like 2000s gamer vibe where it's kind of a little chunky with the plastic vents and a little more aggressive. In it the even look. has the neon green skull. Yeah. Yeah. So well, there's a well, kind of like well, their older. RGB. They're older canyons too, like the the smaller, thinner ones. Uh, yeah. Had a so lot more angular uh, edges. The skull is the biggest I've seen yet, I think. Uh, it's very prominent on the front. Uh, there's, But there's also, like, accent lighting over the front I.O. panels as well. And there might even be some on, like, uh, like undercarriage lighting. I, I wasn't entirely sure. But, yeah, I they're like all in. They're all in on the gaming look here. It's uh, crazy. I, I used to review – I reviewed some of the earliest Nucks back in the day. And if you had told me then that eventually we're going to start getting these that support full-length graphics cards, I'd have thought you were mad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really incredible too because um I I am really curious to get like the official briefing from the actual NUC team on this to kind of hear who they see as the target audience. Because I think when you start getting into the eight liter size, you're definitely going head to head now with all of the small form factor builds you see, like for example, on Reddit where people are very passionate about, you know, using you know, socketed parts, like a socketed desktop part in their build and really customizing it to what they want. And I felt like at the five liter size where it, it kind of gets a little hairy in terms of like cabling and all of that, they could sell it a little easier where they're like, look, you don't have to deal with custom length cables. You don't have to deal with routing. You just put in these two parts and you're done. I feel like at eight liters, you have a little more room to work with and like the trade-offs I'm not sure if it's as much of a win for Intel on that point. So I, I am really interested to hear who they think will like immediately latch onto this as a product. Uh, well, quick question for you. You leave because I know you got to go. Uh, j just to reiterate, uh, ooh, uh, who said it? Uh, Ruru2, friend of the show, says, uh, what's the use case for Nooks these days that, that you imagine? 
for the gaming ones specifically or whatever for they all showed you yeah. i would say for for this is like it's very obviously a gaming angle that they're pushing but i have heard from people feedback on reviews i've done in the past that there are people who use this more for like laboratory like the compute side of things so they are they're going to buy a 3090 you know like i think this that actually could be a use case for this right where if if it could fit a 3090 or a 3080 ti like i, mean, I don't know if like at that point you don't have enough memory for it maybe <laughs> it's only two slots it looks like We'll It'll fit 3080 Ti with that tiny founder's edition. I know, <laughs> I know. But like that was kind of the use case before, where people, <clears throat> excuse me, would see like something like Skull Canyon, and they're like, "Oh, I can fit this in my backpack, so I can take it to the lab with me for whatever I'm doing there, and then take it home," as mm. opposed to like a, a larger system. Mm. Um, <laughs> outside of that, in terms of actual gamers, I I don't really know how many people really picked it up for that. Gordon I'm looks so, like he's gonna. I'm- no, because I, I, it's funny because the original picture I only saw was when it was um, when Ryan was holding it up. It looked a lot smaller. Now that I'm I'm looking at other pictures of it, it's sort of like I think I've made this joke before, but I can't wait for the full tower nook. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Somebody did ask when they're going to do a twenty liter version of it. <laughs> I just I was like, what? I mean, it just sort of like where? Exa- I mean, what it really is though, it feels like they're trying to push the concept of modular computing for people mm-hmm. to get used to it because this this does run on a compute element, so that's pretty cool. And hey, they they made uh, a second one. You know that that was the thing we were talking about at CES last year. Is like, well, this is interesting for the cool. element. Yeah. Will they actually make a second one to for people to theoretically upgrade to? They they did so good on them. I still haven't I still haven't seen the concept stick though, but it really does point to uh, again this is a possible future for the PC ten years from now where you have a compute module where closely coupled GPU and CPU and RAM. I mean. Highly, highly integrated components, and sort of we wave bye bye to the modular upgradability of the world we live in now. That open architecture, you could see that going away, possibly. I think people would fight that tooth and nail, though. Enthusiasts would hate it. I, also, I, I actually have to oh, care. Yeah. I go. have a meeting <laughs> yeah. at eleven. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Elena. So you, Elena. I'll leave you all to uh, formulate thoughts about the nook. <laughs> uh, we. Yeah. we we actually do have a, a friend of the show, Dr. Ian Cutris, Tech Tech Potato, has has showed up for the Intel section, uh, and so oh. the Intel NUC Eleven Extreme is just Project Christine from Razer. Project Christine, I don't yeah. remember that one. Yeah. No, but this will actually be sold, Ian, because that Project <laughs> Christine was like, he's like, wow, <clears throat> you know, this ain't going nowhere. Oh, <laughs> that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that. I was like, yeah, yeah. This is not. This is one of those Razer's amazing. <clears throat> CES ability is to just steal headlines. Christine really just got a lot of headlines. Come on. They're good. I, They're good at that. They have that one thing every year. They have that one thing. And in Las Vegas at night with vodka, everything sounds real. You come back home, the hangover's over. You know it ain't going to happen. But you know, <laughs> I knew Christine was never going to happen. I. It is very, yeah, I... Uh, Nook is... You know, I mean, but but think about it. Ian. This is oh, we got to get Ian on. <clears throat> I I really think, you know, the whole idea is get people used to it. You know, you get you get yeah. a vendor where they have their own GPU, their own CPU, their own interconnect technology, their own you know uh, persistent 
SSD. Just like why why deal with this? There, at some point, it feels like we are going to so far exceed performance of what you can do in an open architecture of the PC. And frankly, we may see this from Apple, right? Because you have infinite resources of Apple pushing a highly integrated, highly proprietary, we make everything using the very best, most expensive things. And we are now offering a a quantum leap in computing only on our products because we have gotten rid of that pesky open architecture. We don't have to deal with partners. We don't have to deal with anybody else. We make everything and we are going to step away from you. It does feel like that will have to be a conversation the PC is going to have to have one day, right? Element cards like this are also good. I could see these being good for, like, they, this is funny, this is a gaming desktop, because I could see it being good for office deployments <laughs> and stuff like that. Like a compu card, if you, if you know, an office computer goes on the fritz and someone can just walk over and plop in another one of these, that's that would be huge, I would think. Uh, we yeah, do have, no, they, I mean, there's there's definitely pluses. Uh, we, we, I do have a question, uh, a serious question from, uh, oh God, I lost it already. Uh, Nutty, Nutty Hyper One. Uh, are there any AMD powered NUCs? Uh, I think there was one. I think Zotac made one. They're not yeah, they're called NUCs, but because yeah. that's an Intel thing. But there, there are. You can if you look for them. Yeah, they're very rare. I would imagine it's just because everything's going to mobile anyway. Um, I, and, I would imagine it's because uh, most Ryzen chips don't have integrated graphics. Yeah, but you could you could do with the mobile parts. I would because yeah. you know most nooks yeah. are based on mobile parts, and I just sort of see like you know what, we're gonna we're gonna send all of the allocation to to laptop vendors. It's just we got to make a break there. And small phone factors are popular, but very small. I do want to point out a couple more things Intel announced. Um, they did announce a couple CPUs. The the highlight, of course, is the i7 1195G7. If you want to go read about it, go read Mark Cockman's story. Basically, it's a five gigahertz Targa Lake UP3 part. <clears throat> I can't even of, with these product names. Yeah, I know. 1195G7, uh, but it's a Targa Lake UP3, basically quad core, five gigahertz, um, made to basically put them a little bit ahead of AMD in single light thread stuff. Um, so they are continuing. I think, you know, just these are binned up parts that they probably needed a headline on. Not necessarily. Clearly, you would not want to upgrade to this from an 1185. But if you're going from an older generation laptop and you want the very highest single thread, lightly threaded performance, this this is something to look at. Uh, the other thing they did do uh, is a Core i5 1155G7. You know, uh, and of course, there was a lot of shade throwing. Intel, I do want to point this out. Um, it wasn't really covered a lot because, you know, um, there are other things happening at Computex, but they did throw a lot of shade at AMD and also um, Apple. Um, one, Apple is like, hey, no surprise, gaming does not exist on Apple. They just want to continue to emphasize that, that PC gaming does not exist on Apple. Mm-hmm. Not surprised there. And the other one is like, they did want to show, uh, they did also threw shade at AMD because like, hey, you know what's really cool is to actually be able to buy Tiger Lake H laptops. <laughs> buy, to actually be able to buy these things, they basically said like, they practically implied that, you know what, ours are real products. You can buy them. You can sort of read about these other things that only reviewers get, but you can't buy. But if you want to buy this stuff, buy Tiger Lake H. And that was sort of their, their way to... Um, <clears throat> 
punch back a little bit the competition. Um, I don't think it had much impact, clearly, especially with all the news from everybody else. But but still, that's the other thing from Intel. Uh, I do have a, a couple questions from the chat. Uh, Jose Vincent Santos Aguilar said, uh, I watched the Intel keynote at Computex, and they are claiming that the new Xeon chips are the best in the market. But AMD also claims that uh, that and their numbers show it. Who should you believe, Gordon? Who should they believe? I think you, if you are basically um, building a data center or you um, <clears throat> clearly it just depends on your workload. If your yeah. workload is one highly tuned for Intel and also basically your entire infrastructure is made to support Intel, are you going to tear up and throw away 5,000 nodes to switch over to AMD? That's that's a business decision. Um I think it's one of those things where it just depends on how you define best. Clearly, they're saying they're the best at the things that they do best. No surprise. And AMD is the best at the things they do best. So they are essentially both telling the truth. Again, I don't review, uh, I don't review servers, but, um, for AMD or for Intel to come out and claim something is best comes with a lot of fine print with a lot of lawyers that read over everything. So. They can prove that they are the best at the thing they claim they're the best at. Yeah, there's a site called uh, is it? Yeah, Serve the Home. That if you're interested in yes. stuff, go check yes. them out. Yes, they Patrick are awesome. does good stuff. Serve the Home, awesome yeah. stuff. But yes, I, I think clearly there's this is not me buying a Xeon to you know have a file server at work kind of thing. I think it's this is I think the things they were yeah. talking about, like you buy fifty thousand of them. So. Yeah, and, and if you're buying 50,000 Xeons or 50,000 Epic chips, you know exactly what you need out of those, and yep. they have different strengths. So it yep. truly, like we always say, it depends on the consumer space, but it really freaking depends when you're dropping millions of dollars in a server. Yeah, because uh, it's not just the cost of the hardware. It's making everything yeah. run and converting everything over, and if the ROI is not there to move to Epic, even if you get more performance out of Epic, nobody's going to do it. So that it just depends on everybody's interests. Uh, Sanito says uh, they're both telling the truth and lying at the same time. Yeah. Accurate. <laughs> it depends on the definition of what is it's called. Yes, and it is not cherry picking. Actually, it is cherry picking, as I've recently discovered. It is actually cherry. <laughs> Which you went and picked some cherries. Uh, we had uh, another. I picked cherries, and they're all good. <laughs> Good. Uh, we got another question. Actually, a twenty dollars super chat earlier. Thank you so much from uh, Mike Quin Quinton. Said, uh, are there are there any apps that are Intel only that Ryzen just can't uh, run, uh, such as productivity, games, science, or math apps? Is have you ever heard of anything that's literally just Intel only? I have heard of things that crash. Right, and that happened especially when Ryzen initially came out. They definitely had some compatibility issues. Some games would not launch. <clears throat> Developers, they went yeah Destiny two. They went in and patched them. They ran. So mm -hmm. again, the PC is is uh, is open. You you can't just simply cut off vendors. It's it's frowned upon by everybody. It is designed to be open. If you run Windows, that application should run if it doesn't run and the developer's still in business they should fix it that doesn't always happen but clearly there were cases of that and that is one argument for why you want to do intel because intel has been the the 
major market holder for a long, 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 long time, so everybody runs an Intel, there is that 0.00001% chance it did not run on Ryzen and generally got fixed, but generally not. Well, that was the early days of Ryzen's because those CPUs are built drastically different than anything else that had been dropped into a computer before. So Windows and applications are freaking out over them. So... I mean that I think was a big part of it, but I haven't I haven't seen any recent issues. I mean I, I have a first gen Ryzen system right now, and I, I haven't had any issues aside from that burst with Destiny Two. Right, you may get hardware that doesn't quite run right with Ryzen because everybody again validates on Intel mostly has validated on Intel. That could be an issue. There also are those artificial limiters. I remember <laughs> when people actually still use Skype. It was a really big deal because you could do more calls on, was it Skype? I hope it was Skype, using a Core i7. Oh, really? Why can't I do this on, a, on an FX64 or a Phenom? Uh, it only, the developer was like, oh, we only support i7. Why doesn't it run an AMD? It can't run on that? You can only do this many users on i7. Mm-hmm. That got fixed, by the way, but that, that clearly was... <laughs> Somebody had like, oh, give us money, and we will only make this work on your product. So, okay, uh, and anything else in Intel before we move on to some uh, other wrap up stuff? No, I think I think that's it for Intel. I mean, of the, I mean, uh, clearly, I would say, if you could say who won Computex, AMD, yeah, <laughs> AMD mean, clearly won Computex. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, okay, let, let's uh, let's move on. I know one of the things I want to ask you about is uh, that uh, that new Alienware laptop. Uh, you had a, you had a big article on on the site. I'm going to put it in the chat. Tell us uh, tell us about that Alienware. It is pretty sweet. That X15. Um, you know, it is. It's really interesting because a lot of people still think Alienware's are those built like a Volvo kind of laptops. They've been thin for a while, not super thin. They have not really had an entry to the super thin. The X15 and the X17, the X15 especially, I think it's like 16 millimeters thick, which is really thin because if you think about like the MSI GS66 Stealth <clears throat> is super thin. The uh, Acer Predator. Triton 300 is super thin. Those are 20 millimeter laptops. Oh. So this laptop is 16 millimeters, I believe, Dang. going off my, my, my fried brain. So it is significantly thinner than a lot of gaming laptops. They're still able to put in up to an i9 and a 3080. Obviously, the, the, the GPU and CPU will face more thermal limitations, but, uh, they do. They do. These are new designs. So uh, Alienware slash Dell went in and uh, Travis North, which we have a wonderful series of interviews here with Travis North of Dell. He got into all the specifics they did for this laptop, and he said, like, one thing we did was um, <clears throat> it has four fans. And of course, I know people can say that's like a five blade razor. It's just better because one more blade is better. He says it's not just that. It's actually we designed it. So we have the fans. We had to redesign the motherboard. We we moved. We changed the location of the the CPU specifically to fit these fans in. The additional fans help draw air through the chassis over all the components, all the VRMs, all the SSDs, um, in a certain airflow to improve the airflow. Um, there's also a combination of um, heat sinks and heat. Uh, gosh, a vapor chamber. So it's a vapor chamber designed with 
with, of course, you know, <clears throat> heat pipes. And the super special thing, of course, in very Alienware-esque fashion, they have uh, Element 31, which is pretty cool because it sounds like you stole it from Area 51, right? <laughs> it's essentially a silicone encapsulated liquid metal. And what he said, that what's special about this is you basically, it goes on like a paste on the CPU. You compress it. It breaks the silicone and it creates these sort of through channels, almost like a TSV, and in, 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 from the the dye directly to the vapor chamber, and the silicone encapsulates the liquid metal, so um, moisture can't get to it. You know, because liquid metal and moisture don't like each other, it's not good. So this will make it last longer. This also makes it so you don't have to worry about the. Um, it leaking out, even though they did um, encapsulate it in silicone, they actually still fence it off anyway, just in case. It is only on the CPU. Uh, there's no AMD offerings here, but you know, 3080. Interestingly, there was a spec that I noticed that they released. So the 3080 has a 20 watt dynamic boost increase. So I think it's an 85 or 80 watt GPU with the 20 watt dynamic boost too. Um, so I was always led to believe that dynamic, yeah, dynamic boost. I was always led to believe was 15 Watts. Yeah. So now apparently on these lower wattage, uh, parts, uh, it is actually 20 Watts. That was, that was new to me, but you know, they've done a lot of fan tuning. They've also gone in so you can go in and you can change, um, besides having dynamic boost activated, you can go in and bias like, you know what? I want more fans. I want more CPU performance. I can manually crank it over. Or I want more GPU performance. So you have some ability to bias the control above the, the laptop's own control itself. So, you know, pretty, but again, 16, 16 to set 16.5 million. These are super thin laptops. They're not lighter, but they are, they are really, really thin. And I kind of want to see one on person because when you see a GS66 or, or that Triton 300, you're like, Wow, these things are really thin. Yeah, um, I remember the first time I saw one when I visited San Francisco. You were testing a GS66, and I was literally like my mouth was gaping at how slim they are. Yeah, and it really is sexy. And I know everybody says they don't like thin. Why are you making these laptops thin? I specifically asked Intel that myself. It's like, what's what's making people – why do you keep making vendors try to make thick thinners? What's the big deal here? Why does everybody – and it's like, look – Every you go in the chat here, you go on the internet, you go on Reddit. People say, "I want big, thick, fat laptop," and that's not true. <laughs> that's just not true. You put a thin gaming laptop, even though you give up performance on CPU or GPU, next to a big, fat, thick laptop. Ninety percent of consumers, ninety-five percent of them, are going to want that super thin, light laptop, and that's that is just simply human nature. But Alienware still makes both, though, right? I mean, that's you, you do have the yeah, option. They're so. both Alienware. Yeah. Yeah, they actually have an M15. I think they're still rolling with the Area 51 so far. Also, the big thing is no more Alienware amplifier that is gone, which kind of surprised me. Wow. Because Dang, with, I didn't know that. With, the, with the stupid buttloads amount of interconnects that uh, Tiger Lake H offers over Ryzen, huh. you would think, like, this is the perfect opportunity because on for people who don't know, Area 51, you know, because, you know, Comet Lake and older um, – 14 nanometer chips, 16 lanes of Gen 3. <clears throat> they took half of those lanes for the amplifier. 
So you only got eight lanes. Didn't really make a difference, frankly. With Tiger Lake H, you have 16 lanes of Gen 4, so effectively twice the bandwidth. Plus you have direct, you know, connect for the SSD Gen 4. It's like, why not use half of that that bandwidth for an amplifier and keep that around? But I think uh, Alienware has decided that amplifier is probably not worth eating the additional um, circuitry and also... You know, it is probably something that is going away in favor of, you know, eGPUs, even though Amplifier is better than eGPUs. It is, yeah. But I'm, it's well, like G-Sync versus FreeSync. Yep. Uh, but also the, the, the port on the back taking up space, you know, cost. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's – there's they they looked at it somewhere and they're like, ah, dang it. It's, you know, yeah, that that is a bummer, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. And, it, you know, it is unfortunate because, you know, it really did enable – you know, external graphics way before it ever worked with Thunderbolt. And what, in fact, it still was better than Thunderbolt in many ways. So mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that ship has sailed. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, also, yeah, I mean, but you've seen some other uh, Tiger Lake H uh, laptops release around Copytex as well, right? I know we, we had an interview with MSI uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. So, but, yeah, and there's also an interview, I think, is it we posted with Intel today? Uh, not you know, yet. They, it hasn't yeah, gone up yet. Oh, it hasn't posted? No. Oh, I thought we did. Okay. We are soon going to be posting an interview (laughs) with Intel. Good stuff. I know everybody thinks Intel's just like, oh, they are just beat down, dragged down, ha-ha, but they're laughing all the way to the bank, folks. Tiger Lake H is, (laughs) they're going to ship 80-plus designs, and they've already shipped a million to uh, laptop vendors. So clearly, if you're going out to buy a gaming laptop, Radeon Ryzen is awesome, but... It may be hard to get. We'll see. We'll see. I think they're at the point now in AMD, at the point in lab tests where they were in desktops a few years ago. Now, you know, Ryzen is firing uh, now uh, with modern Ryzen and especially modern Radeon. It's radio, power, efficiency, power efficiency has always been an issue for Radeon for a long time. But now with Navi and RDNA 2, uh, it's not. It's looking real good. So now they're at the point where they're going to start, I think, attacking laptops the way they've been attacking desktops the last few generations. Yeah, and because, you know, that is a very important thing to get into because um, they've had fantastic success on desktops, but laptops are where what's that's what everybody buys. There were 24 million gaming laptops sold last year probably it's uh, projected i think 30 million or something even more in within three to four years it's 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 going up and interestingly intel said that there were a million lap gaming laptops sold in 2011 and again 24 million sold last year gaming laptops are a real thing to you know and a lot of people want them and i'm AMD i'm, got, I'm the they graphics get in there. i'm the graphics desktop reviewer for pc world so i'm like as desktop nerdy as they come and my kids each have gaming laptops because yeah. that's what they want I mean, yeah yeah i, I, I have still, all of it here and I, I i still play on both sometimes I, i'll just take a laptop and move it into into the kitchen or something yeah i mean it's really yeah i do like, i mean i mean i say this and i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna fully admit i for me the laptop is what i i use to get to my desktop when i can't use my desktop so all my gaming is on desktop i believe gaming desktop i I've said this is the alpha of of PC gaming. It's the alpha of all gaming, I believe, too. But that uh, doesn't mean gra- uh, gaming laptops don't exist. So, 
I, yeah, for me, it, it's like I'm, I'm like Brad, even though I've got, you know, a, a big desktop here. Uh, I've, I've been sitting in front of the computer all day for eight to ten hours, so I'd, I'd rather go sit somewhere else uh, and sacrifice a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But still play some games. Yeah, I so. do. Like when I play shooters and stuff, I do that at my desktop. But if I'm like kicking back and playing XCOM or something, I can do that from my chair just as easily. Definitely. Oh. Definitely. Uh, all right. And anything else? Yeah, I did it. I I, I was gonna I was gonna ask um, Elena about cases. Uh, people were asking about some case news, uh, but she's not here. So, any, anything else from Computex that we saw? Maybe not that we covered, but we kind of just saw and piqued our interest that the people should be aware were uh, aware about. Man, was there anything else? I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, that's typically Computex really feels like it comes down to AMD, Nvidia, and Intel these days and then a bunch of cases, some motherboard news, some GPUs, <laughs> fish tank PCs. Yeah, I had to move this weekend around all this, so I haven't had a chance to read anything else. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's it's been busy. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, I really do I look forward to Computex hopefully next year because I really miss being around all that PC action. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like if you had one trade show to go to, like versus CES versus Computex, I would definitely do Computex because for the PC, that's where it's at. It really is just I, a wonderful show for the PC. I did an article years ago that I still love about how e, uh, CES is where it's all dreams and visions and Project Christine kind of stuff. That's never going to actually happen. But Computex keeps it real. And that still holds up. I wrote that probably eight years ago, and it still is. Computex is like the PC show. Yeah. And especially if you're into components and cases and cooling, and, you know, it's it's really awesome. CES is still gold-plated cool. Gold-plated RAM. A lot of, you know, US OEMs can use there. Yeah, gold-plated <laughs> RAM. That's the thing. <laughs> right, yeah. It, the gold makes it better, I think. It does. It's heat-conducted. Monster RAM. I don't think it is. Monster RAM of, yeah, vacuum-sealed. Ram. Uh, anyway, okay. Um, then yeah, well, uh, we're, we're not going to do Q and A. We've already gone on a long time. Sorry about that. I will hold it for next week's episode. So if you have any questions in the chat right now that are burning, go into the description. Go to over to our Discord. Drop them in the, the full nerd questions segment, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 bring it up next week. I promise. So, um, but yeah, Gordon, why don't uh, why don't you take us out of here so we can get some lunch? Okay, check back next week for your Fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Saying questions and comments to thefullnerd at pcworld.com. And also, if you're on one of the services, please leave a review. Every time you do, somebody from the northern climates realizes how damn good southern food is. Thanks for coming. I'm Gord Maung with Brad Charkas. Adios, y'all. Elena Yee was here. I will say goodbye for you and say Gordon's shirt is ugly as a way to throw me some shade. And Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the all switch. Uh, Dr. Ian Cutter says TMC, the real winner of Computex. So, yeah. Anyway, we're out of here. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.